to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to the greatest generation, Deep Space Nine. It's a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed about having a Star Trek podcast. <laughs> Especially today, I'm Adam Pranica. <laughs> I'm Ben Harrison. <laughs> Can we die doing this? I think so. I'm looking around my bathroom and I'm seeing all the cables and, I mean, I've, I've plugged in my laptop. We're using powered microphones. This is the most dangerous episode we've ever recorded. <laughs> uh, we are both in our bathtubs today because we were recording Roderick style. It's a Naked Now episode. Sure is. Uh, are you, in fact, naked? I put on swim trunks. Oh, Ben. <laughs> ben, putting on swim trunks is the don't talk to Jonathan Frakes of doing the Naked Now episode. <laughs> You gotta take those things off, man. I just felt like I didn't want any distractions. This is distracting what? enough. You think Roderick is wearing swim trunks? No. In his baths, he's not. If Roderick could be more nude than having no clothes on, that's what he would be. Gotta tell you something I wasn't expecting. I'm feeling very hot. Yeah, it's very hot. I'm in a hot tub. I'm wearing the cans. Yeah, the cans? Surprisingly warming. Yeah. Ah, oh, this is, uh... This is really a thing. <laughs> I'm actually looking forward to when the water starts to cool. I am not looking forward to hearing how this sounds. I did make some efforts to deaden my bathroom. I, I hung yeah. a sound blanket along the tiles in my tub area. I also have a very small bathroom, and I don't, mm. I don't get. I feel like that may help. I don't really know. I'm no sound engineer. Yeah, I don't know either. Uh, <laughs> I've got to tell you that you and I offline talked a lot about the logistics for this. Yeah. And I was making a, like, I had just assumed, because why wouldn't I, that my <laughs> wife would be going to work today. Uh-huh. And when she made it clear that it was going to be a half work from home day and half go to the office day, I held my breath before hearing that the afternoon was the time when she was going to go to work. Right. Uh, but that then turned into about a half an hour ago into a, actually, I'm staying home. And then <laughs> it dawned on me that I was going to have to have a very difficult conversation. <laughs> Maybe the most difficult conversation I've ever had, which was where I had to tell her why I was trying so hard <laughs> to, <laughs> to make plans for her outside of the house. How does one explain something like this to one's wife, Adam? <laughs> I told her that I didn't want to tell her the reason, and that's something that you can't do. That's not the, that's not something that a trusting, loving marriage can. <laughs> like that, those aren't the traits of a trusting, loving marriage. For reasons so, of you losing respect for me, I don't want to tell you what I'm doing today. Yeah, and uh, and so she's like, you know, I think she's fairly resigned in most of her questions having to, <laughs> having to do with our show. She asked for and deserved answers, and I sheepishly told her it was because I was embarrassed to take a bath with her in the house while doing my dorky Star Trek podcast. 
And to her credit, because she's a great person, she's a better person than I am, she said, well, why don't I just go uh, work where you usually work, and then you work upstairs where I usually work from home, and uh, I don't have to be around it, you can just pretend like I'm not there, and so uh, I'm in the upstairs bathroom while she's in in the studio slash living space downstairs. Uh, It's like she's gone. Well... I have to say, I really appreciate her accommodation of this, and I appreciate your going out on a limb, and, you know, I I think I would have had a very similar sheepishness about approaching my wife with something like this had she been working from home today. I kind of put you in a tough spot because I'd already gotten my crap all set up by the time... And you I like, sent me a picture. I of Jackie your and Laurie do setup. a picture of my bathroom as motivation <laughs> to to make it work today. It worked. <laughs> it really worked. <laughs> I got to describe to you how I'm sitting in the tub because I think that uh, would help the viewers at home to understand that I am I'm a I'm perpendicular tubbing. Oh. I'm sitting kind of cross-legged. Oh, wow. And I'm hanging my hands over the side. And I, and for safety, I've, I've put the mic outside of the tub so that like I'm leaning over into the mic. That's... Because I'm really nervous that if the mic were to fall in, I would die. That is smart. I'm realizing that like the physics of where my mic is make it, you know, if the, if the, if the knuckle gives way, it's on a fulcrum that will just put it right in the drink. So I'm going to I'm going to take your advice and shift back a little bit and I think this way if it does go it will hit the rim of the tub. But I did put a uh, a heavy lead weight at the bottom of my mic stand. Oh, uh, that's so, smart. I didn't I had to, I have sandbags in my production kit and I didn't think to put any down there. That was dumb. Got to put a bag or it's not safe. Yeah. Yeah, I mean there's no getting out of this tub now. <laughs> yeah, you can't One, you can't wet go downstairs to where you keep your gear (laughs) one benefit of a tub time akimbo is that uh more of my body is outside of the tub oh yeah like that's that's good for temperature purposes uh i also have uh i have put a, a hand towel on on my mic stand just on the boom arm so that i can keep my hands dry because i have paper notes and uh, <laughs> I, I like to scrub the episode occasionally when we're talking about it, and I have uh, I have it on my phone here, but uh, you know, hard to work the touch screen when uh, when you've got damp fingies. <laughs> so many challenges to this episode. Maybe the most challenging episode we've ever done. It's a surprising thing to learn in in contravention of what John Roderick's lifestyle is all about, but maybe most typifying his lifestyle mm. in some ways, mm-hmm. this is the most complicated way to do a podcast. I almost want to dial him up for some help, <laughs> some, some tips on this. Just blowing a call? Yeah. Man, that, that could be worth it. <laughs> do you yeah. want to try for it? What's up, Adam? Hey, John. Uh, <laughs> this is Adam, and I've got Ben. We're doing our Star Trek show right now. Oh, how exciting. What happened is that we're doing our show from the tub today. Oh, nice! <laughs> in uh, in honor of you, we we kind of have a board game that's related to our Star Trek show, and and some of the squares are are for different <laughs> types of shows that we do. And there is a uh, there's a doing it Roderick style 
square that we landed on. And so Ben is in his tub, I am in my tub, and we're doing our Star Trek show. And I thought we might want to ask you uh, for some tub tips, if you have any, uh, for for long-term tubbing. Yeah, of course. I've got like tons and tons of long-term tubbing tips. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, if you've got a minute, uh, I would love some tips. Like, I guess my first question is, how do you keep from dying when you're surrounded by uh, powered microphones and uh, and iPads and and such? Do you ever feel like you're in danger? Well, uh, do do your bathroom outlets have breakers built into them? Uh, that's affirmative for me. What about you, Ben? Yeah, I'm. Uh, I have a, a, a an up to code bathroom. Okay, great. Well, in that case, you know you're not at you're not at risk. So hopefully, the breaker will trip. Uh, before you're electrocuted. Right. That, that's a that's a really long second there, right? <laughs> um, usually, I keep. Um, you know, I. So do you? Do you both have bath desks of some kind? <laughs> no, I'm using a step stool that I've put a bunch of things on. And uh, Ben, what do you have going on? I've got uh, I've got my stuff on a on an aluminum chair and a little uh, little end table. And now how are you keeping the how are you talking into your microphones? Where are the microphones? So so we're both on booms, but I'm I'm perpendicularly sitting in my tub so to keep the microphone if it were to fall from falling into the water and I think Ben has has mirrored my positioning to that end. Well, okay. So the key of the key uh, to podcasting from the bathtub is the reason you're doing it is to be super comfortable, not to be awkward and you know, like in a in a position that isn't maximum relaxation. Yeah, and I, and we are not comfortable. <laughs> yes. I'm pretty good. What you what you need to do is you, your equipment needs to conform to your most relaxed posture. All right. So, so you need to like sink down in the tub and then figure out where the mic needs to be. Okay. Position it that way. That makes a ton of sense. I have a question, John. Uh, swim trunks or no? Oh no! You have to be in the bath. You're not in a hot tub. You're not. It's oh, not. Man. You're not at a party. <laughs> <laughs> that was the first question I asked Ben, and he said he was wearing trunks, and I was shocked that I was the only one using it like a tub. <laughs> I don't know. All right, they're coming off. They're coming off. (laughs) Thank you for the love of all that's holy. Yeah. Yeah. Got to treat it like a tub. That's good advice. Yeah, it's a tub. Uh, Any final advice that you would give us? Because we have about an hour ahead of of some Star Trek podcasting to do. Well, keep your feet out of the water. Oh. um, You know, the weak link in sitting in the bathtub for an hour it, the weak links are your hands and your feet mm. and if you if your feet get waterlogged then you're going to start being uncomfortable and you get one out of there that makes sense wow that is such a pro tip keep your feet feet up and keep your you know your hands out of the water that way you can use your feet to kind of control your position in the bath mm mm-hmm. uh, and also i'm hoping that you guys brought some snacks Mm. Uh, we don't eat on the show, John. I know that's uh, that's in contravention of everything that you hold dear when you record. But... I have a peanut butter sandwich that's just out of arm's reach. <laughs> so you've got your computers on the stool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, all I can think of to say is, like, good hunting. Right. <laughs> yeah. 
All right. Well, I'm I'm glad we asked the expert. I think this was valuable advice. Yeah. Thanks so much. All right. Well, I look forward to uh, I look forward to reading all the accounts of uh, listening to the episode. <laughs> thanks, John. Thank you. Bye. Bye. You can listen to us talk to John all the time by tuning into our other show, Friendly Fire. Free plug. Oh, Ben, I'm sweating so much. <laughs> I think I'm going to take John's advice and do a little bit of mic repositioning and get my feet out of this tub. What do you say when we come back, we talk about Deep Space Nine Season 5, Episode 9, The Ascent. Let's do it, Adam. Do you realize how incredible this is? (laughs) No, of course you don't. All right, I've uh, I've changed positions. It occurs to me that this could be an episode that very closely follows the episode we're reviewing because Quark gets colder and colder over the course of this episode, (laughs) and we may find ourselves uh, subject to the same plight. That's a great point. Wow. (laughs) Uh, The episode begins with a question that we've had on our minds for a long time, which is, why does Jake live with his dad? Yeah. And uh, and he's moving out. He's gonna he's gonna be getting his own place with Nog on the other side of the station. He's uh, he's moving to a different neighborhood. Yeah, the other side of the docking ring is where yeah. he's headed. And if you're a teenager, that's probably the best place to go, right? It's probably the best place to go. They make the case that he's packing up his entire, you know, all of his personal effects, and we do get to see kind of the greatest hits of the Jake Cisco collection go into this <laughs> suitcase. But they also do the, the like, super fucked out TV joke of somebody, wi- like, wildly overpacking a suitcase right. in the dialogue. However, on screen, this suitcase has tons of capacity left. And when he closes it and the joke is supposed to be like, see, closed perfectly, it is, uh, it is actually closed perfectly, totally undercutting the joke. <laughs> Go ahead, Jake. Make jokes. I love that the last thing that he puts into his suitcase is three fleshlights on top. <laughs> he squirreled those away. Yeah, <laughs> he sure did. Like, like right in front of his dad. Can't wait to spend my first night in my own place. The shamelessness of this is uh, something to behold. There's something familiar happening here towards the end of the scene, which is like the post-move-out visitation contract that you verbally make with a parent... Yeah. In this moment, like I remember having one of these when I moved away to college, like you, you're, you're going to come back for Sunday dinner, right? You're going to come back and do your laundry, right? Like <laughs> wh- how often are we going to get regular hangs? And this is an awkward moment for any parent and child, I think. Yeah. Jake uh, is very diplomatic, blows the right amount of smoke up his dad's ass, I think. But yeah. also his dad is very smart and knows that he's getting smoke up his ass. I have raised a very yeah, I mean, it's it's not like he's moving across the state to college. I mean, how much? How long is a walk to the other side of the ring? Right. How long is a site-to-site transport to the other side of the ring? Like, right, exactly, yeah. He is, uh, he is not leaving town by any measure. His slapdash pack job foreshadows what the situation is going to be like in his living quarters. Like, he's someone who doesn't really fold up his clothes before slamming him into the suitcase, right? Right. He has no discipline. Well, and... I mean, he, he has different discipline. Oh, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> he, 
He's the kind of discipline of knowing that you need to keep your feet and hands out of the tub in order to maximize the amount of time you can spend in the tub. It has cooled me off quite a bit to get these feet out. I realize like the back of my head is totally soaked, and uh-huh. I haven't put my head in the water, so that must be sweat. Must be, yeah. I'm like sweating down the front of my face. Who does ah, this? Fuck. I think we're idiots. <laughs> one thing I didn't ask John was about temperature of the tub. He's got to go with a cooler temp, right? Oh, this is yeah, just not maybe. sustainable. I mean, it's going to cool off, man. <laughs> I honestly, I can't wait. I had I brought a thermometer in here. You want me to check my 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 uh, water temp? Yeah, you oh, should. Shit, I dropped it out of arm's reach. <laughs> Right, this is on. this is what the viewers expected to hear. Yeah, this is this is great content. This is definitely a good Star Trek podcast and not <laughs> the, the work of idiots. <laughs> I'm at 101 Fahrenheit right now. There is no fucking way I'm at 101. I th- I feel like I got to be hot tub hot. I was at 105 when I got in and it was way too hot to sit down for me. Mm. I think I'm a little extra sensitive to heat cuz I kind of run hot. Yeah. So I like I noticed that my wife runs cold, and sure. uh, she always has the you know when when we used to have a a shower where the you would set the temperature and then you would turn a different knob to get the water flowing. Yeah. I noticed that it was always too hot for me when it was set where she wanted it, and I I, I know that you kind of run cold, so it's true. Yeah. So maybe you have a higher tolerance for hot water than I do. I am just thinking that. Like, wearing cans is a bad idea. Like, <laughs> earbud-style monitors yeah. were, were the move. This is... Like, I'm, I'm having to constantly wipe my ears out. Gross. <laughs> so we cut to the apartment in question where Jake and Nog are going to be living, and Rom is in there getting it lovingly set up the way a parent might. He's uh, kind of... He's kind of, like... This is sort of standing in for uh, helping your kids move into the dorm right. freshman year uh, because he didn't go to Starfleet Academy properly with Nog. They instead went, went to the past. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Court uh, comes in with a, a very thoughtful gift of a bunch of root beer. And then Odo comes in. Hey, Mr. Bunkin. And it uh, turns out Odo finally has Quark dead to rights on something really bad because he's going to be remanding Quark to the custody of a Federation grand jury on Inferna Prime. I mean, the very name Inferna Prime uh, <laughs> makes you think of a place of some harsh justice, right? Yeah, it definitely sounds like something out of the Riddick universe. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like everything's super on the nose. Yeah. Yeah. Let's call this planet Terrifia. <laughs> right. Yeah, uh, Odo is not inclined to tell Quark any more than this, other yeah. than he's got to get into a runabout with him, and so they go. It seems like a very unfederation thing, right, that you would be taken into custody but not told what you're accused of? That's the that's the work of a fascist organization, not a utopia. Yeah. I thought the same thing, that that would be a baseline expectation for modern times. Yeah. But yeah, so they, they're going to be on a, a road trip together. And it is much more of a road trip than a, uh, than a you know, Con Air-style prison transport. It would have been great if, uh, if they had to put Quark in, in the face cage. 
Yeah, that would have been amazing if if there'd been a uh, if there'd been like a, a little half wall latrine in the back where somebody snuck a bullet into the toilet paper roll tube. This is the thing about the rules for Quark, right? Yeah, like when he's when he's transported to to the grand jury, like he's not handcuffed. He's no. not confined to the rear part of the runabout. He does not seem particularly imprisoned. Not at all. Not one bit. Does does Quark need a lawyer? He sure does. I wondered about whether, like, is Quark going to be provided a lawyer when he gets there, or is he does he have the means to provide his own, or do you need means to provide a lawyer in a Federation context? I love that question, and it makes me wonder, in a measure of a man kind of way, who would defend him from the station if they had to? Right. This doesn't seem like a measure of a man thing, though, because it's not its not a, well, this is the best we can do for a trial, given the paucity of people we have available to us. Right. This is not going to be a trial episode. This is going to be uh, an episode based on the hit 90s movie, The Edge. <laughs> <laughs> With Anthony Hopkins and Alec Baldwin. Yeah. Is that, uh, isn't that written by the, uh, the Glengarry Glenn Ross guy? David Mamet, yep. Yeah. Baldwin and Mamet, big pals in the 90s. You should watch that for the Pork Chap feed. Oh, that's a good, yeah, that's a, that what lurks in the heart of man shit is perfect for Friendly Fire. Agreed. One thing that lurks in the heart of Odo <laughs> is uh, some horniness, Adam. Turns out Odo's been reading Bodice Rippers. What are you reading? Nothing that would interest you. I mean, is is he reading it for titillation? He makes the case that he's not, but I think... Odo doth protest too much. I prefer to be titillated in private. If that were what I were interested in doing, I wouldn't just do that in the driver's seat of a runabout. Yeah, I guess you have to either read it as Odo is actually doing what he's saying and trying to understand the human condition and what motivates people to do crime, or Odo (laughs) is a fucking perv and wants to jack off in front of Quark. It would have been, uh, you know... They couldn't have done it this way, but uh, for that to have been an audiobook would have been very funny. <laughs> In a 24th century future, do you think much like the GPS of today, you could get your audiobooks read by any voice that you wanted? Oh, man. That'd be kind of fun. I would get Worf to read all my books. <laughs> Delicious. Get Kern to read your bodice rippers? <laughs> she lit the garment slip from her shoulders revealing a supple bosom both of his dicks rose in salute (laughs) the blood flow from both of his hearts increased wildly I wonder how separate those systems are like, if you have one heart removed, does only one dick get a boner? I mean, I would just imagine that the erections would be half as hard. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't, I, don't believe the, I don't believe an entire system collapses. Yeah. But it could. What we need is, you know, like, like every once in a while they'll release, like, the, uh, the Starfleet owner's manual for a starship, and it's like the Haynes manual for a ship. Yeah. I mean, and I have that, we- that huge package of... Uh, of- technical readouts for the enterprise yeah like where is the uh where's the the gray's anatomy like the uh 
the surgical manual for Klingons. Man, where is it? I think there's a market for that, Ben. Where's the alien autopsy for Klingons? <laughs> right. Golden cut. The cut. Golden cut. So, this turns into uh, the killing time on the runabout. They've got a trip of days and days ahead of them. Yeah. It seems like Inferna is quite a ways away. So, uh, we've got a B story at him, and that is Nog is back on the station for a little while. Uh, I guess this is summer vacation. Not summer vacation in that he's, like, off, but that he's, like, cycled back to a Federation posting and is kind of it's kind of an intern for various yeah. jobs on the station. I would have assumed a year-round schedule for Starfleet Academy. But, yeah, I think, I think he, uh, he asked for and received a, a mission on DS9, and that's why he's there. Yeah. So, part of his curriculum. So he and Jake start to, you know, get get settled into their new place after Cisco kind of, you know, big dogs Nog on his way back onto the station. Nog has uh, has really turned into a well-disciplined cadet and addresses Cisco with a totally different, uh, you know, manner of, of address than before he left. You know, he used to be like a begging, groveling, uh, snickering little whelp, and now he's hmm. like, yes, sir, of course, sir all the time, sir, kind of guy. Right. I mean, no matter how straight he sits, he still needs a booster seat in <laughs> Cisco's office, you know? Like, he, he's barely head above desk there. Yeah. Cisco goes and gets a yellow pages out of the, right. out of the bookshelf, turns <laughs> it on. They reincorporate Casa de Noje. <laughs> Jake Nog? The, the consortium, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, uh... It, it is awkward from jump. Yeah, Nog's, Nog's doing, changed. Nog's doing the the Captain Kirk drag a, a white hanky along every surface right. move. Jake wants to like play Xbox and smoke pot and hang out, and Nog wants to you know get really good reps in various Starfleet roles while he's on the station. Yeah, Nog's trying to get gains. Yeah, yeah, he wants to go to bed at 10 p.m., get up at 4:30 a.m., hit the gym, work all day. Wolf some dinner down, rinse, repeat. Right. Yeah, that structure has really made an impression on him. Muscles, Jake! You know, those things that are supposed to go between your bones and your skin? And it just fucking grates with Jake's lifestyle. Captain Sisko, I guess, has never implemented a structure in their home life whatsoever, because this is totally alien to Jake. Yeah, Jake is like, I have to clean the house? What? Does that... Suggests that it's Ben Cisco cleaning their place after Jake. I That's kinda, not cool. I think it's like robots that would clean their place. Like you never well, see them in in this era of Trek, but the the case is always made that like everything is automated, right? Dirty dishes in the in the replicator, right? Right. So so, I mean, like you can leave your garments all over the back of the couch and and on the floor and stuff, but. I think eventually a robot is coming along unless you've either, like, opted out of that service. Like, like I kind of think Nog is doing this as, as sort of like a, like a wax on, wax off. Like, he's been inculcated into this, like, discipline, discipline lifestyle that is more about, like, developing good habits overall. That he Like, he won't actually need to clean his own quarters when he gets stationed on a starship, but right. it, it, uh, it turns him into a better officer when... 
he is used to living a really structured lifestyle. Right, right. That's my theory anyways. It's a good theory. It it would this whole situation suggests that they have not been in touch at all either. Like right. for being best friends, uh like Nog comes back from the academy totally changed in a way that that surprises. Yeah. Where if they were going if they are as good of friends as we're made to believe that none of this should have been a surprise. Yeah, the episode made me think that the dilemma with Jake from a writer's perspective is very similar to the dilemma that they had with Wesley on TNG. Yeah. Which is, he's a main cast character, but also it doesn't make any sense that he's still here. Yeah, yeah. And I think... So you're having to cheat a little bit. Right. This is, this is how they're cheating it. I think I've died and gone to the Divine Treasury. So this is going on. This, uh, this Jake and Nog are, went from being peas and carrots to oil and water. Very well established at this point. We cut back to the runabout. Also, oil and water are Quark and Odo. It's the same. It's the same. Like they could have just had a, two different scenes of people complaining about their counterpart slurping their soup. Right. You know, <laughs> because uh, because they literally do that with, with Quark and Odo. And, and Quark is also agitated because he hears buzzing sounds that Odo cannot hear. But uh, he starts to explore the space, trying to change the temperature in the runabout, thinks it may be the uh, HVAC system. But they they actually open up a panel and discover a, a very scary-looking device secreted in the systems. What's this thing with all these numbers? Most squirreled-away bombs look like shit. And this looks great. This looks appropriately scary, right? Yeah, I wondered if the silver part was just like when you tape a bunch of nails and screws to the outside of a pipe bomb to just like maximize the shrapnel. Yeah. Like is that just is that just like metal to be flung about when the black part explodes? <laughs> it sure seems it, it sure seems like any bomb on a runabout is going to kill, and so like the need for additional shrapnel would be redundant. <laughs> <laughs> like for vacuum of of space reasons, you know. Yeah, but uh, but what comes out here is that this is an Orion Syndicate bomb. The idea for this grand jury thing is that Quark is being called to testify. The Orions don't kill their own because their own would be too afraid to testify against them in the first place. I'm a spoke on a wheel, and so are you. If this is an Orion bomb, why isn't it green? <laughs> yeah, they have a brand. Why aren't they sticking with it? There's a bunch of green fingerprints on this panel. <laughs> Almost like somebody covered in green paint put it here. Right. Are the Orions in the Federation? No, I don't think so. What's the jurisdiction that a Federation grand jury would have? Wouldn't it be next to impossible for an Orion to get on a Federation craft and plant a bomb on a Federation space station? Also, if they weren't... A member? Odo really sucks at his job sometimes. He really does. And at no point during the episode does he take responsibility for their circumstances the way he should. Yeah, it's a, it's a bad look for him, but, but nobody notices that. No. So they're going to try and beam this bomb into space, but some, some speculation about the bomb maybe being rigged to blow when a transporter signal locks on is... Uh, is given voice to, and sure enough, that's how it works. And Quark is really close to it when it goes off. Like, it it blows both of them back, but Quark is, like, leaning over it. And I thought maybe, like, they should 
go to the other end of the ship and hope a bulkhead can close if it <laughs> does blow a hole in the side of it? That would involve building the other side of a runabout, which, <laughs> to our knowledge, they haven't done since the first time we've ever seen a runabout. They were spending so much money on going to Yosemite for this episode that they couldn't they couldn't build that set. Yeah, it's too bad. That is a good idea. I love the uh, like the talk about what the bomb could do is interesting. Like a bomb that's triggered by a transporter and an attempt to beam it away. That right. like that holds together perfectly. I think the one big, big hole in this episode is that they notice the bomb and they don't immediately radio for help. Yeah. Instead, they try to try to handle it themselves and it blows up and, and like, it is comical, the, th- the things that this bomb has taken out, despite the fact that there's very little visible damage to the runabout. Right. Like, the damage we get is in the form of... They smoked up the interior of the set a little bit, and some of the screens went to static, but not all of the screens went to static. Right. And they have to, like, put it down for a an emergency landing on a barely livable planet. I think it was L-class. L is for livable. <laughs> and then in parentheses, barely. And M is for mad nice. Yeah. <laughs> mad Mat- parentheses nice. Meticulously livable. <laughs> meticulous would appeal to Nog. He would love to live on a meticulously livable planet. You write about this damage. It, it damages only the things that we need in that exact moment. Like right. it wipes out communications. It wipes out life support. It wipes out like most of the rations, but two. That's a seventy-five-year-old biscuit, and it's perfectly edible. So they like wake up in this in this runabout. Odo's got Shogun hair, and they're like... Ben, you know Odo is in a way when he's got salacious crumb hair, right? (laughs) (laughs) And he has that a lot. He does. He looks bad in this episode. It's like a a whole new kind of bedraggled Odo (laughs) that they had to discover here. Yeah. Yeah, and it's cold. Like, that's the first sensation we're introduced to at this crash site. Like, the windows are busted. They're looking outside at at this mountain and forest. And uh, they're starting to shiver already. To be quite honest about it, I was in a pale. I'm fucking in a pale. Mr. Bucket, I have to revert back to my dead state. I don't use the bucket anymore. Back on the station, we get Jake coming out of his bedroom with with his blanket, which is a TV code for this is a lazy person having a lazy morning. (laughs) And Nag is uh, in the foreground doing, uh, doing arm day. Mm-hmm. I like these weights where you can like dial them to whatever mass you want them to be. Yeah, I like that too. It's cool. They must like interact with the artificial gravity. They always look the same. Yeah. But I don't know why he has so many of them if that's the case. Right. Yeah. What gives? Oh, I guess the the other ones are on longer bars so he can do right. like curls and stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Different exercises, that's why. Yeah, but uh I mean, it's one of those things. This is really hard to sell when you're acting like you're lifting something heavy that's actually light. Right. <laughs> like there's a there's a resistance issue here to these scenes. Yeah, I think you can't do actually super heavy for the issue of we don't know how many takes we're going to need to do. Right. But uh, yeah, I think Aaron Eisenberg sells it as well as anybody ever has. But it's not. It's still sure. never. It's not. It's never perfect. You know. Definitely like, not a knock on him. Moving moving the giant foam boulder never looks right right 
the roommate relationship does not go well, Enterprise, because <laughs> right away, uh, Nog is all over Jake's shit about leaving his stuff around and not waking up for arms day. And he's like such a workaholic that he's even done some of Jake's work, which is he went into Jake's iPad and uh, did like spell check and, and grammar check on, on one of Jake's short stories you changed my words jake doesn't take kindly to that because jake already considers himself an artist yeah and artists know you never let yourself be edited by anyone (laughs) yeah right rob (laughs) rob doesn't listen to this show (laughs) nope (laughs) not a chance i just laughed at it because like i was i was like i was thinking about the fact that we edit each other Mm-hmm. But it's a collaboration, so like, like there's a sign off on, on every edit, like. Sure. And 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 I we know it's, that it's happening also in a way that Jake does not. Yeah, it is really overstepping to just invite yourself into somebody's creative process. Right. I wouldn't just go and edit an episode of Drink about it. <laughs> that would be weird, and then that, just put it out. Yeah. You wouldn't be okay with that. Hey, check out my new podcast. <laughs> I made it out of pieces of an old one. You'd probably be fine with that, to be honest. Yeah. Chris would be pissed. Yeah. Back at the crash site, uh, Quark has removed a giant transmitter from the runabout so that they can take it to higher ground. This is his idea. He's like, the higher you go, the less dense the atmosphere, and the atmosphere is the thing that's interfering with their ability to get a signal out. Not to mention the most important reason for climbing a mountain. And that is... Because it's there. But Quark wants to climb K2 in order to get it up there because he like points a bent finger out of the windshield and he, it's like, that's where we got to take it. Yeah, and it is like the comedy smash cut to hilariously craggy mountain peak. This is a big piece of gear for Quark to be lugging around. Unclear how they even got it out of the runabout it's so big. Yeah, it seems big, but not ridiculously heavy. Yeah. Like, you would kind of think that something this big in a runabout would be really dense mm-hmm. with with metal and machinery and wires and stuff. Like, Quark carries it around like it's a kind of an overstuffed grocery bag. This made me think a lot about um, a video I made for Giant Airplane Corporation uh, because... <laughs> I love the- some of their work. It would shock you that I had always assumed that like the big heavy components of the flight deck were put into the forward section before it was attached to the rest of the barrel of the fuselage. Right. But that is not how it goes. Like it's basically <laughs> an empty forward section. All the all the the barrel parts of the body are put together before stuff's put on board. Yeah. And so you got these guys carrying these giant panels that go on the flight deck basically wow. by hand. With all those switches and stuff on Yeah. Them? Damn. Yeah, like through the through the flight deck door into position without banging it into another panel. It's insane. <laughs> yeah. And it made me wonder, like, how you assemble a runabout. Like, you, those panels have got to be pre-installed before closing up the body, right? I don't know. You know who you ask about that is Ben Sisko. He used to work at the shipyards at Utopia Planitia. That guy knows. That guy got a, got a good union job. Yeah. Good, good paying middle class job. You know that guy's not working swing shift. <laughs> yeah, so they have to go to higher ground. They uh, they need to suit up. They gotta like make warm clothes out of blankets, 
or at least Odo thinks they do. He's like cutting armholes into a blanket to make it into a poncho, and Quart comes out of the back in like a silver rap video costume. <laughs> this is a real serious question. Is this the first time Odo has ever felt cold? Oh, man. Because if you live on the station, you, you're probably perfectly temperature controlled. I mean, all yeah. of his away team, all of his away missions would, I don't know, suppose a, a level of comfort. There's got to be a, a like operating temperature for a gold, though. You yeah. know, they got like they must freeze at a certain temperature. Sure. Yeah, I guess. But in that way, I wonder. I wonder how discomfort is different from temperature discomfort. Right. In his experience. Right. But this is another example of of Odo being a solid and making no reference to things that solids go through based on their environment. Right. This is new territory. Yeah, I love how how like they split up the the cold weather gear and like they each wear <laughs> one glove. <laughs> it was really good. I thought that was a great detail. Yeah. Uh Got to be fair. For all of the climbing a peak that they're theoretically doing in this episode, and they even, like, call this out at a a couple of points, but, like, almost always they're depicted walking down a slope. Yeah. There are very few moments where you see them actually going up something. Yeah, they're really making their job harder. I don't know why that would be. You just got to zigzag uphill. Yeah. It's the way to do it. I mean, neither of them have much experience at this, you would think. Right. They're not outdoorsmen. They're not acclimatized to the altitude. And they've got to cover this great distance, right? And the terrain is just getting rugged and ruggeder yeah. as they go. It's a it's a pressure cooker for these two guys who talk a lot about how much they hate each other and you know grow to hate each other more and more the more exhausted and hungry they become. Yeah, I mean, it's like uh, it's like going on vacation with someone. Like you really, if if things are good with a with a companion, and you do that, then things will be good. <laughs> but if things are bad, like it tends to magnify whatever yeah. feelings you have beforehand. You know, boy, I definitely had a lot of anticipation leading up to your birthday trip this year for that reason. Like we've traveled together a lot for tours, mm-hmm. but it's you know been. You know, and it's been really fun. But we never but, see each other on tour, and that that's right. part of why those work. And like, if if I was like, man, like if Adam and I spend a week in a in a fun hang context together, are we gonna like hate each other at the end? <laughs> and uh, I was very glad that we did not hate yeah. each other at the end. You're very agreeable. It went well. It did. The mission went well, Enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we didn't Hanson that trip up at all. No. Nope. We did great. Back on DS9, Nog and O'Brien are finishing up a shift, and uh, Nog comes home to find his apartment a mess. This yeah. is uh, such an affront to his sensibility that they break up. Yeah, I feel like O'Brien and Kira, and maybe not even Dax, just get little cameos in this episode. It's true. Just yeah. to be like, hey, I'm a character on this show too. Yeah, that's crummy. Like, you sort of look at the script and you're like... Is this a week off for me or not? <laughs> you really you really start looking forward to those call sheets. Right. How am I under Aaron Eisenberg on <laughs> on the call sheet today? <laughs> That's gotta feel weird. Yeah. 
We're not knocking Aaron Eisenberg. <laughs> not at all. It's just a, a different situation for everyone, I think. Yeah. It's fun. I feel strange, but also good. Jake is a is a real layabout. He has, uh, in nine hours, taken the apartment from spick and span, you know, regulation apartment to Jake Sisko pigsty, where he's, he's uh, you know, playing video games on his phone and just not, he's not engaged. I have a side in this conflict, and it would surprise you very little to know that I'm on Nog's side. <laughs> because his weird hang-ups, they, don't, they aren't things that affect Jake and, and where he lives in a way that Jake's do. Like, right. Jake's decisions are hurting Nog. Right. Nog, Nog is riding for let's get up and work out together, but he's not going to force Jake to do that if Jake doesn't want to. Whereas and he's not doing Jake- it in Jake's bedroom. Jake is forcing Nog to live in unacceptably messy circumstances. This place is a dump. And he's not even trying either. And that, I think, is the part that hurts the most, right? Like, it would be one thing if Jake... Jake is a klutz and he spills the pots and pans everywhere. And, like, like that could be one thing. But he's just laying about, not even trying. And that... Yeah. You just can't not try. So you're kind of making the case that Jake is sort of the me of this situation? I... And Nog is the you? (laughs) I've never gotten the sense that you're you're untidy in this way. I'm a little bit untidy. I, I I'd say that uh, you pick up well before I come over. I do. I I definitely want to make a presentable place for guests, but I think that uh, I'm more of a a of a clean, and my wife is more of a tidy. Hmm. If that makes sense, it does. And I think that that's actually good because we can kind of kind of fill in where you know, like I I might look at a table that has a bunch of clutter on it and not not notice or care in a way that drives her nuts. But right. I might, like, spend the day scrubbing out under the toilet in a way that she would not necessarily care to do. See, I think we're a little more alike now that I'm hearing this. <laughs> I think I'm that. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, they decided to move out. This, yeah. did, not, this did, did not last long. I think I agree with this decision. Doesn't look like it's going to work. What do, what do you think the time span is here? Like a week? Well, Does, it's it was four days after the runabout took off before it crashed. Right. So, but then, like, we hear, like, them talking about how they've been walking for days and days and days when they're, when they're talking about hiking up yeah. this mountain together, right? I think that makes sense. Then it's got to be around a week. Yeah. Wow. It's been... One week. In my experience, you you would just have to make it work because we live in a brutally rapacious capitalist system, and rents are so high that yeah, you know, like all the economic pressure is on figuring out a way to make it work. Yeah, yeah. There's no such motivation for them. They could they could quit at any time. <laughs> yeah, it's breaking like, it's breaking like, the it's, lease on Deep Space Nine is not a big deal. <laughs> it's like being married without having kids. Yeah. This is a situation that is heated enough that the parents become involved. Because Rom and Captain Sisko are hanging in the replimat, and Rom is like, you know, Nog sure is acting a lot different. 
and I'm becoming concerned, so concerned about his fastidiousness is Ram that he has in Nog's sleep taken his blood to see if he was gold, <laughs> which is the greatest harebrained suspicion yeah. slash plan ever. Like it's, <laughs> it makes a ton of sense. Yeah. I, I mean, I love, I love that texture too, that just like anybody acting weird in like in this world, anybody acting at all weird might arouse this kind of suspicion and how unnerving that must be for people that live like this. I love it. It should happen more often. Yeah. A great little twist in there. I love also, I mean, we've talked about this before, like those moments where Rom and Cisco become peers are are always really fun because right. so much of the time Rom is the dumbest butt of the joke schlamazel on the station and sure. Cisco is the king of the castle. Yeah. But occasionally they are just two dads of best friends. <laughs> I love that Rom has just confided something insane to Captain Sisko, and Captain Sisko like does not make him feel dumb for that. There's right, no, he doesn't there's turn no him joke. into the authorities. He doesn't judge. <laughs> it's, it's just great. like yeah, perfectly reasonable. I think our sons have a lot to learn from each other too. <laughs> And that's how the scene ends, right? It's like, I think we should conspire to do something to put them together again. And then that's how the scene ends. Yeah. Back on the planet surface, things have gotten to the level bleakness wise that, you know, it's taking a long time to wake up from sleep. They've yeah. run out of food. Cork's gone deaf in one ear. It's really bad. And they're, they're like, they've reached the slap fight part of, of what's happening. Like frustrations have boiled over. Camping Quark is really the, the wildest Quark, you know. <laughs> camping Quark resembles Camping Adam. <laughs> you, you get a very totally short fuse. Totally a short fuse, yeah. <laughs> uh, and this fight does not go well because uh, during the slap fight, they, start, they, they maneuver into that roll-around kind of slap fight. They roll down a hill, and uh, at the bottom of that hill, Odo's leg gets bent the wrong way. Yeah, they uh they're really trying to like out loser each other in the argument that leads up to this. Like Quark is like making the case I'm not a criminal. I am going to be testifying against the Orions. Then Odo goes like, "Oh yeah, but you probably can't even afford to pay the like membership dues of being in the syndicate. That's what a big loser you are." Right. And Quark flips that shit back in his face like, "Well, you've been you've been obsessed with nailing me for a crime your entire career, so who's the loser?" They both know each other's buttons. Yeah, and exactly how to push them. And uh, and this is the uh, and 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 Odo being a solid like breaking a leg is the most vivid illustration of how frail he has become. I hate to keep hitting on this, but like, what a spectacular moment for Odo's life to break a bone, and yet he treats it as if it's a thing that that happens to him specifically. You know, like he knows what it is. Right. He can he confronts it in a way that is not panicked in a way that I feel like should be. Like what what does that got to feel like for someone who's not used to feeling bone or skin or anything? It tracks though, right? Cuz he's like such a prideful character. Yeah. He's so like he's so concerned with his own sense of dignity. Yeah. That um you know, and and they use this they use that all the time like when Odo gets bedraggled, it it's a big deal because he doesn't want anybody to see him at anything less than a hundred percent. So 
this vulnerability that he suddenly has with Quark is pretty major. Stop looking at the leg. Right, and this puts a lot of pressure on Quark to go from a guy who insults Odo and slap fights him into breaking his leg to a guy who's got to put Odo back together and put his leg in a splint and put Odo on a stretcher and take him up the mountain. This sledge made me think that they should have built a sledge for the transmitter the whole time. <laughs> like if you can, if there are available materials to build a sledge, then you don't have to carry the entire weight of the transmitter on your back. That was totally dumb. You're right. Get it together, guys. These guys suck guys. at this. <laughs> yeah. Not I good. mean, I think I would probably suck at surviving in the out in the in the wild if I was in a plane crash or whatever. I know they lost a lot of shit in the runabout crash, but wouldn't you think that there would be a tiny black box toolbox full of like a paper manual about how to survive on class L planets? And yeah. Like this is bad runabout design, isn't it? The runabout needs more emergency preparedness kit. Yeah. Agreed. We get a really interesting and well done passage of time montage here of Quark stretching Odo up the mountain. And it is a fairly surprising feat of strength. And I think it's a good look for his character. Yeah. It ends with him collapsing, literally like cannot go any further because he is so wrung out. And this is where the rubber really meets the road in their dispute. Like Odo is furious at the circumstances. He basically calls Quark a lazy bum. Like if, uh-huh. if Worf or Dax or Cisco were here, do you think that they would be lying face down on the gar- on the ground? And, you know, Quark is saying like, listen, I'm not them. <laughs> I'm a fucking bartender. Leave me alone. Yeah. Yeah. His standards are too high. But uh, by way of demonstrating what it's going to take to get out of this, Odo takes matters into his own hands and is is making the case that he's going to belly crawl the transmitter the rest of the way with one leg and a splint. Yeah. He's going to he's going to get that transmitter up there or he's going to die trying. I don't like his chances. Yeah. But a great uh freshman rap album. <laughs> <laughs> you know, kind of questionable messaging in the in some of the songs but <laughs> Really fun party party jams in there. Both of these characters get these moments, but Quark's moment happens first, where he kind of like there's the resignation starting to set in, followed by the Rocky Balboa moment of like an inner voice telling him that yeah. he's got to keep moving lest his bones don't get sold. Right. You know, like whatever you need to tell yourself to keep moving is what. Quark does. And then he drinks a can of Lipton Brisk and he gets his second wind. Now that it's over, just give me something to drink. Morn, morn. Morn. Dear sweet. Morn. 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 You hear, buddy? Morn. Stop. Have a time. Back on Deep Space Nine in Jake's quarters, Captain Sisko is the bearer of bad news because a two-person quarters must be double occupied. It's not like Jake can just live there on his own. Pretty presumptuous also that Jake would expect post-breakup that he would get the quarters, right? Yeah, what the hell, Jake? I guess he's just thinking he's the captain's son and that's how things would go. Right. That's, that's captain's son's privilege, I guess. Maybe he did that thing where he was the only one that signed the lease and then was like collecting rent from the rest of the roommates, which kind of put him in an unearned position of power. Yeah. Yeah, and so he produces Nog from side stage and says, uh, you guys need to work things out. 
And then they do for no reason. I think for the reason that they're best buds, you know? Like, I don't think it has to be any more complicated than that, that at the end of the day, they love each other. And they've been acting like assholes to each other, but they they are able to reunite in friendship. I think a main quality of our friendship is our the, like the ease with which we apologize to each other. I think that happens a lot, and I think that's good. And, but I didn't hear and, an apology in this scene, and that is a big problem for me. They just sort of snap back into their old relationship. Okay, Adam, I am sorry that we had this square on our game board. <laughs> I don't know what, what else you want me to say. Thank you, Ben. I appreciate that. I'm glad that you recognize this is your fault. <laughs> and I have nothing to apologize for. <laughs> you know what I mean? It just seems like they skipped a step, and that's all. Like I, I totally believe that it's their closeness and their best friendsness that right. makes this possible. But there's a property, a necessary property, to getting over something that is missing from this scene. Right. Nog could be like, hey, you know, like I've been living in this ridiculously structured freshman dorm at a military academy situation. And that's just the, the, the rut I'm in right now. And I could see how that would really harsh your mellow. And I'm sorry for having done that. And then Jake could be like, hey, man, what you're doing is like super cool and important. And I'm really proud of you for doing it. And I'm sorry if my being a groovy artist type is, has at all gotten in the way of that. You know, now that we're talking it out... <laughs> They never really have had that friendship where they confide deep stuff to each other. Like, Nog forever kept his interest in Starfleet Academy from Jake. Yeah. Jake hides his stories from Nog and is hyper-defensive whenever Nog attempts to read or edit them. It's, it's the friendship of convenience that you have when you're a child, where these yeah. are the kids that are around, so you make friendships with them. But they might yeah. not be the most lasting, lifelong friendships. And maybe in an even more concentrated way because you could call them, like, military kids. Like but this is the age that you, like, start to learn how to do that, too. Right. Like, like, how do you transition a friendship? Like, Nog is the kid that went away to college coming home to the townie friend who did yeah. not. Yeah. Jake is working at the Tasty Freeze. Yeah. And his life is hella different. Yeah. I mean, I had a gap year, and I tried to go to college but couldn't. Mm -hmm. And spent a year at home, and it was really different. Like, I I had a very hard time relating to my friends who had gotten a full two semesters of college under their belt when they came back, yeah. like, that summer. I, I felt very alienated from them in a lot of ways. Hmm. So I can, I can relate to both of them, I think. Yeah. Yeah, like, there's never—Jake never gives voice to an idea that he missed a train. Right. And got left behind. Or that he really missed Nog. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, think about that scene where, where Nog's back for the first time. They don't launch into their old patterns. It's almost immediately different for them. Right. They are trying to perform their new adulthood to each other. Yeah. How's your temperature? Oh, let's... I'm going to check in on the temperature. Wow, holding steady at 97 degrees Fahrenheit. That I was, I'm surprised. Me. I mean, it, it, it's definitely like, I, you know, like I think you kind of 
acclimate to your tub. Because I'm used to like taking a long bath where I occasionally have to like turn on the turn on the thing to heat it back up again a little bit, like warm yeah. up your coffee at the diner style. Yeah. Are you a bathman? Where I am is on tour. Like I have come to really enjoy a getting back super late at night to the room. Uh-huh. Because I'm usually super wired after a show, and yeah. it helps it helps calm me down. And you uh, kind of like bed. have a little Lebowski in the bathtub. Yeah, I'll have like maybe last beer before bed, but I <laughs> I don't do it at home. Wow, I've done it a couple of times when I've had like a sore knee or something, mm. and it's something I think about a lot, but I never set the time aside for it. And maybe I should. I like it. Yeah, yeah. I I don't think it's going to change my. My behavior, but uh, I don't think that we should record like this next week, for example. But forever, I would argue. <laughs> Blow it off the board, Ben. <laughs> Adam's ideal board is just a is just a field of numbers that don't have any any special squares at all. Yeah, every show is special to me. <laughs> Back on the planet, Quark is scaling a sheer rock face by himself. Ready for the best ride in the park? Yeah. Odo records his last wishes, which are fairly rugged. Odo bakes some some disrespect for Quark into his his uh, his final log entry. Yeah. Like that loser probably wants his his bones put in hockey pucks. And then as for myself, put my ashes in my bucket and fire it into the wormhole. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to believe that there was a conversation in the writer's room that went like, is that too harsh? And then yeah. a lot of people were like, no, that is Odo. Yeah. That is, uh, it made me think about that like crab in a bucket mentality idea. What is that? I'll read you from the Wikipedia entry because I, I wanted to remind myself precisely. Crab mentality, also known as crabs in a bucket, is a way of thinking best described by the phrase, if I can't have it, neither can you. The metaphor is derived from a pattern of behavior noted in crabs when they are trapped in a bucket. While any one crab could easily escape, its efforts will be undermined by others, ensuring the group's collective demise. Wow. And I kind of feel like th- like the invocation of Odo's bucket at this moment crabs in a bucket. may be an intentional nod to that idea because of the way he is talking about Quark in this moment. But Quark mm. proves him wrong. Crucially, because no sooner has he gotten this out than uh, the transporter beam engages and we cut to the little D in orbit of this planet. That had to feel so great to feel the the transporter beam on you at that exact moment, you know? Why didn't they beam Odo directly to the infirmary? (laughs) (laughs) They just beam him onto a tarp? Yeah. They should have. That's crazy. Yeah. Worf and Dax get to be in the in the episode for a, a little split second. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure they both asked, like, uh, "Could I just be I... off screen and not put the not put the makeup on?" I'm sure Michael Dorn and Terry Farrell were both like, "Can't you just beam him into the infirmary?" <laughs> <laughs> they had the same question you did. Yeah. Can you just give me a full week's pay and I don't have to actually come in to work? Yeah. That is a. <laughs> Depressing call sheet for them. <laughs> but yeah, the uh they wake up on slabs together. I guess I guess they're back on Deep Space Nine at this point, right? Uh, or are, or are no, they st- they're on they're on the little D. They're, they're in the, in the infirmary six bay on the little D. Yeah. yeah. 
You know, it's an A story and a B story of best buds reunited, you know, reconnecting as friends. That's right, because uh, the currency of Quark and Odo's relationship is their their brutal honesty and their hatred for each other, (laughs) a hatred that makes them laugh. Right. And uh, it's a little different for for the No J Consortium, one would think. Yeah. Well, what do you think, Adam? Did you like the episode? I like that we're getting toward the end of tub time. I'm ready to get out. I'm starting to get a little raisiny. Oh, yeah? Have you had your feet in? Yeah, I did. I admit I put my feet back in. Oh, man. I've been, I've been, I've, I've let them slip in a couple of times, but I've been really like working carefully to keep them out. My temperature's and, moderated a little bit better, which is nice. Yeah. That was a tough first hour. <laughs> well, I think I'm going to need a shower after this bath. I believe it. I'm definitely feeling sweaty and gross. Yeah, why do people do this? <laughs> this is not better. <laughs> anyway, did I like the episode? Uh, yeah, I did. I love a field trip episode, and I like an episode where we uh, pair off our characters in interesting ways. I mean, these weren't surprising outcomes or or surprising revelations between them, but I do like getting, specifically, I like getting a Quark and Odo pairing where they can really chop it up where we can really get to the core of of their hate for each other and still like for all the hate that there is it is so non-spicy right like it's professional it you like even when they were pre-slap fight even when they were during slap fight like they cut but it's shallow cutting yeah like i just and that's and that's fine because you can't have the stakes so high that that you could risk ruining a relationship between two main characters. I guess that's just not a possibility here. But right. I did like the pairings. I did like seeing what happened to Nog. <laughs> I think he's an interesting he's a more interesting character now, I think, and I wonder if he's gonna be at all tortured by what he's become, you know? Do you think Nog is gonna be like one of those shitty comedians that gets hired on SNL and then they go back through their their Twitter history and it's like, oh, you've been doing inappropriate shit since as recently as last year. Well, it just strikes me as something that, you know, people who make massive philosophical changes to their life and then lean into those changes extremely hard are often the ones that then uh, drop them as quickly as they pick them up. Right. So I would wonder, like, is that coming? Or is or his is his grasp on these things that he's gotten from Starfleet uh, weaker than than the rest for that reason? I don't know. But getting back to your original question, I did like the episode a lot. There's a lot of new things happening here that I enjoyed, so I was into it. What about you? Yeah, I liked uh, I liked getting out and being in a in an unfamiliar outdoor environment. I thought they did a great job of having it not look like Southern California, even though it probably was. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like. Uh, it just uh, it felt like it feels really special to be in as an exotic as exotic a locale as this was, right. and I always love when they do that. Yeah, and uh, and I think like overall the episode's really good. I hope I hope our friendship can recover from this bathtub as well as the uh, two pairs of friendships in this episode recover. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> do you want to see if we have any priority one messages? Yeah, let's do that. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. 
Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Ben, our first priority one message is of a commercial nature, and the message goes like this. Would you like help looking for therapy? Do you wonder if counselors actually live in pots? <laughs> or who could help in your quest for Riker-level confidence? Check out All Along. Therapist and friend of DeSoto, Rachel Cazez, helps you find the right mental health care in your area via phone and email consultation. Wow. And uh, by going to allalong.org, you can find out more information. It says Rachel cheered from afar when Ben finally found therapy in L.A. Hey. And she, and she wants to help you find therapy, too. So for help finding old therapists everywhere, <laughs> visit allalong.org to learn more about getting help. Finding the right therapy and understanding mental health. That is great. What a great service because I think that one of the biggest hurdles that I certainly experienced when I first uh, started to need it was just not even knowing much about it or what it was. So having having a friendly uh, person to to walk you through that could be a really great thing for a lot of people. Yeah, you know what's great is like it's hard to just start from zero. Yeah. But if you could look for a therapist or a mental health evaluation from someone who is also a friend of DeSoto. Right. That's a person who might understand you more than a stranger, I have a feeling. <laughs> yeah, I'm really glad that we got that P1. Allalong.org. Really cool. Uh, mental health is a, is a big deal to me, and... I think, uh, you know, you don't have to be unhappy or anxious. Uh, that is something that you can really get help with, you know, that there are, there are like genuinely effective therapies for these things out there and, uh, and, and help is available. I think the hosts of this show uh, make that pretty clear. I am making that a choice. <laughs> ben is saying you don't have to live that way. Yeah. Allalong.org. Our other Priority One message is of a personal nature. It is from Susie, Danny, Ashley, Deanna, and Heather, and it's to Ben and Adam. That's us! That's us. Two grown men in bathtubs. <laughs> Goes like this. We just wanted to say how much we appreciate the pods and the two of you as content creators. Please accept this digital equivalent of a rolled-up C-note. Wish we had something more to more clever to say, but we don't. Take our money and keep up the good work. Also, give kisses to Darwin and Sprocket for us. Oh wow. man, those uh, those kisses will be delivered post haste. Just as soon as I get out of this tub, you know, J Darwin tends to uh, make himself kind of scarce when he hears the uh, hears the uh, bathtub firing up because he gets worried that it might be a bath for him. Yep, same, same with Sprocket. So. uh... He's probably uh, he's probably under the couch right now. But once once he uh, feels like the coast is clear, I will plant a, a, a wet one on him for you guys. <laughs> well, if you want to plant a rolled up Ceno or two onto our program, you can go to maximumfund.org/jumbotron, where personal messages are one hundred dollars and commercial messages are two hundred dollars, both of which are a great way to help with the ongoing production of this program. Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in 
another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time, and they send in their books, they send in paintings, they send in uh, crochet work. It's so cool. And uh, I want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters. I want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it, we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves. And you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use Squarespace. It'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool, creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Hey, Adam. What's that, man? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Drunk Shimoda! Yeah, there is a moment early on in the episode when Ram is preparing the welcome wagon for his son, and yeah. Quark is there. Uh, the bit is that Ram keeps expecting Nog to walk through that door, and it never is. Right. 
And when Odo walks in, Quark's back is turned, and under his breath he says, wrong again. (laughs) In such a way that, like, I don't know if they dropped that in later, or if that was in the moment and recorded diegetically or what, but (laughs) I thought it was great. Like, a great little moment, And, and like, the thing about thing about dialogue and acting is that when you deliver a piece of dialogue and you're an actor, you prefer to have your face facing the camera. Right. And so when Quark does this at the door and you still hear it, that's a pretty unique moment in a television <laughs> program and something that I seized on to right away. So I thought that was a good moment for Quark for saying something under his breath so good and funny that it still stayed in the scene even though his face wasn't <laughs> facing the camera. So that's my drunk Shimoda. <laughs> Um, my drink Shimoda is Nog. Uh, the, uh, there's that scene where he's, uh, he's pumping iron and then he just goes off to work. He did his workout in his work clothes, Adam. Gross. Yeah. That does not look like a breathable garment. No. Maybe Ferengi sweat like through their tongue like dogs. Uh. Otherwise, gross. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. God, could you imagine what that thing smells like? <laughs> Like a hockey bag. Like a hockey bag, yep. (laughs) Did you ever play ice hockey? No. No, but like the legend How do you know from hockey bags? Because a hockey bag is legendarily stinky. Yeah, man. You don't even have to play hockey to know that. I played ice hockey for a few years after the Mighty Ducks motion picture was released. and uh, That's what inspired you? My dad always said that that's the most expensive movie ticket he ever bought. That's a good line. Yeah, because because uh, I I came home and was like, I want skates, I want pads, I want to play ice hockey. <laughs> How just... about I just take you to stock Emilio Estevez? That would be easier. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it was pretty good up until uh, everybody but me hit puberty, and then they introduced hitting. Yeah. And then it was not good. That's when you switched to tennis. <laughs> I switched to crew, Adam. Why don't you switch the conversation to what episode we're going to watch next? Adam, the next episode is season five, episode nine, The Rapture. Cisco is plagued by life-threatening visions that may hold the key to Pajor's future. It's a prophet episode. Oh. Back to that. Yeah. Seems like it's, uh, it's becoming more and more of a deeper callback. Right. But that will be the next episode. How will we be doing that episode, Adam? Well, there's only one way to find out. It's by consulting a game that's never let us down before. Not ever. It's the game of buttholes. Will of the Prophets. Let's see what sort of trash episode it makes us do (laughs) next time. When we go to the statistics of this episode and see that 98% of the people who listen stop listening after two minutes, <laughs> we will know what kind of a mistake this was. Yeah. <laughs> what extreme discomfort we put ourselves through for a very ineffective episode. <laughs> yeah. To the six people who are still here, thank you for your service. <laughs> You're required to learn as you play. Well, Ben, our runabout is currently on square 28, which means the only thing in range is a Measure of a Man episode. Uh, Yeah. I've got a... I've had the die in the tub the whole time, (laughs) and I've now taken it above water, dried it off, 
and I'm ready to roll. Yeah, make sure you roll that on the on the tile on the floor of the bathroom and not in the tub. I don't think yeah. that uh, is technically in bounds. No, you know what? I'm gonna roll it back in the tub. I'm just gonna scoop the suds out of the way to read what the what the <laughs> die says. How's that? Okay. Did I win? Hardly. And uh, in classic fashion, Ben, I've rolled a one. <laughs> okay, so we're on Which, 29, a regular old episode. A dry episode, Ben, <laughs> is what I like to call them. Yeah, I guess. From now on, forever. In, in, in more ways than one, a dry episode. Wow, uh, I'm looking forward to that, Ben. I have a I have a proposal for the end credits of this episode. What do you say you uh, you pop the plunger on your oh, tub yeah. okay. and we let these things drain while we do the credits? Okay. All right. Wow. Well, we got to thank everyone who supports the show over at uh, maximumfund.org/donate for making such a stupid idea possible yeah help uh, helping us make the case to our wives that this is our job and they need to <laughs> clear out so that we can do this important work oh boy this water's getting low <laughs> i'm seeing things i don't want to see <laughs> uh, we got to thank adam ragusia who made our theme music uh based on the original work of dark materia whose music you can hear right now Hilarious trading cards based on every episode are made by the great Bill Tilly, Bill Tilly1973 on Twitter. That's where you can find him. You use the hashtag GreatestGen on there and uh, join all the uh, all the groups. They're on Facebook, Discord, Reddit. There's the Wikia about uh, all the how all the jokes work and they keep track of everything. Every drunk Shimoda we ever give. Great times all over the internet with the friends of DeSoto. Hey, Greatest Gen is touring right now. You can find out where we're going to be by going to greatestgentour.com and buying tickets. We will not be doing that show in bathtubs. No, we will be uh, fully clothed and also behind a, a table on stage, so you won't even see our, the bottom halves of our bodies. Unlike right now. I it am, is uh, very respectfully done. <laughs> I, I do not want to see what I'm seeing. Yeah. Yeah, it's not pretty. <laughs> this is not tasteful in any way. Yeah, I mean, if Worf were to drink my bath water, he would he would think it were prune juice. <laughs> A warrior's bath water. <laughs> oh boy. Think uh, is that it? I think I think uh, I think we have I think we have debased ourselves enough. Be sure to listen next time. For another great episode of Deep Space Nine and an episode of The Greatest Generation that is thankfully dry. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.